big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are talking about playing before bed. Yes, and we're talking about, I guess the reason we are talking about this is to how to help our kids get to sleep or how we can make bedtime a lot more fun or how we can support our children to have beautiful, restful sleep because sleep is probably one of our most listened to podcasts, isn't it, Mary? And it's the one that people are like, I want to know about this. And it's one of the things we get questioned about all the time. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper on some really wonderful tools or things that you can use to help your your children and and help us sleep at night. But before we do that, Marion, let's check in. How are you? What's going on? I mean, we, we spoke, you know, that you have just been through the floods and some big stuff happening in your world. How are you now? Uh, I've done lots of crying. <laughs> one of the one of the at least once with you. Um, so grateful to aware parenting and the whole balance of attention, which we talked about in the episode. And what I found found was I did a lot of crying, and then I'd have my three days of um, where I do sessions and groups and so on, and then I'd be all centered and open hearted and. That was yummy. And then and then in the interim, the next gap of time, I'd do some more crying each time because you know, people sent me clovel through the post and people arrived at my door offering things and people sent me money. And it was just so yummy. So really, really getting that on a deep level that if we've got um, if we've experienced stress or trauma and we have painful feelings to express, having loving support, having empathy, having listening supports us in crying and releasing more and more of that stress so that we feel calmer and more relaxed in our bodies, just like our children. I think it can be so helpful to really get that for us to actually realize what a difference it makes and how important our warm, loving connection is for our children mm-hmm. when they've got big feelings bubbling. Mm, beautiful. Well, I'm very happy to hear you've had all the beautiful tears and all the beautiful love and it's um, supported you through, you know, what you've been through. You're lovely. How about you? What's going on in your world? <laughs> well, I'm still in the middle of moving. <laughs> this has been the longest, the longest transition ever. Uh, I'm just trusting that's where it is. We're, we're, yeah, I can't even quite go into it. But anyway, we're, 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 my beautiful daughter and I are living down the coast, which is where we're going to be because she started school and my husband and my other children are living in the city. So I'm doing a bit of both at the moment, a lot of back and forth. I've been living out of a suitcase for a long time, but we are rolling with what we, uh, what is being presented at the moment. I'm very actually surprised at myself at how, um, how in my centre I've been able to stay. Like usually I'm such a homebody and I love that beautiful sanctuary space for myself, but I've been able to just really roll with it and I've been quite surprised at myself. So, yes, that's where I am. So I'm mostly good, but what I have noticed is I haven't been able to jump into all these beautiful projects and ideas that I have bubbling. And I think that's because I haven't felt like I've had a really stable base. And so I'm kind of trusting that again to go, you know, timing, timing's important. So just be. So I've been walking on the beach because I'm like at the moment, I'm literally a block away from the beach. So I've been walking on the beach a lot and, um, I've been having lots of quiet time and it's it's been good. So I just trust the big process. 
this off. I'm really looking forward to moving into our new house when that is ready. And perhaps in time we'll look back and see the wisdom of why it took so long. <laughs> so for now, I'll just be where we are. So I'm I'm feeling good in this moment. Thank you. Yum. <laughs> Yay. I so celebrate you, so trust what's happening for you. And I'm excited to when we, we chat on here and you'll be, I'm in my new place. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, it really is interesting, isn't it, how important um, home is to us. Well, it is to me and just the feelings we have around that and what it brings to us. And I, I really just watched that in the last little bit, particularly because I'm up in the city with my husband and my other kids for a few days and back down here and not really feeling like I'm in one place solidly. And it's, yeah, it's interesting to observe, you know, I know lots of people who love traveling and who love doing that all the time, whereas I'm not like that. I really love being at home. So it's really interesting to observe what places or what comes up for me within that. For the first week or two, there's a few repression mechanisms going on. I was like, I'm just getting quite a bit of chocolate while I'm in between, but now I don't need to. I've settled. Instead, I'm walking on the beach and it's pretty beautiful. So, yeah, another more beautiful observations about who we are as humans and how we shift and adapt and change and all those kind of things. So, yeah, it's, it, there's been richness in it, that's for sure. All right, let's talk about sleep. Let's um, jump into some play and sleep and um, and and give our lovely listeners lots and lots of ideas to support them and their families. So perhaps let's start, Marion. Do you want to talk about why we might possibly play before sleep? Well, what I love to share about aware parenting yeah, and this culture and the cultural conditioning that most of us have have is that we often do not trust that babies and children have these natural inbuilt processes to feel relaxed enough to sleep. So I think often in our culture, we might say things like they're fighting sleep. And what I love to connect with in aware parenting is the understanding that babies and children naturally have these processes that they will keep on inviting in order to feel relaxed, in order to feel relaxed enough in their bodies so that they can go to sleep and that they can sleep peacefully until they do not need to sleep anymore. Um, and those are all the things that we know in aware parenting, laughter and play, talking, crying and raging. These are all things that support the release of tension in the body, the release of stress hormones, the release of accumulated feelings that all children have no matter um, how much we meet their needs and respond in an attuned way and all of those things. So these are inbuilt amazing things that children have. And yet so often in this culture, we will do things to try to make them calm down. So just as they're, they're going into these natural processes, they might be getting silly and goofy and rambunctious and they might be wanting to jump on the beds or suddenly play really funny, silly, goofy games or start making fart jokes. And because if we've got in our mind that we need to be the ones that, that make them feel calm, we might end up feeling frustrated or pissed off or fed up because we think we need to make them feel calm. So we're often working against this amazingness where actually they, their bodies, their psyches, their beings know exactly what to do. That if we join in with them and we, and we get really silly and goofy or we um, play pillow fights and they knock us over and we, we pretend to be really like surprised each time. Oh my gosh. And actually work with that, knowing that it's not just laughter and play that release those feelings that cause them 
to find it hard to go to sleep, but also tears and tantrums. So they may be playing and playing, playing, and they're clearly tired and they're still not going to sleep. Then we can offer a loving limit. So we can say, you know, after I'm going to put the timer on and in two minutes when the timer goes off, I'm not willing to play anymore and I'd like you to go to bed. Or they might be, whatever it is, we can offer that loving limit. We can say no and we can say yes to the underlying feelings. They might then have a huge big cry. Again, all the crying or the raging is releasing the stress hormones that allow them or not allow them, that enable them to feel relaxed in their body so that they can go to sleep. And yet so often we work against this. They're getting silly and the goof. We might be saying, no, calm down. Or we might be trying to read them books or, or you know, doing all this calming stuff. And we're, it's like working against a, a someone might once wrote a testimonial. And a, what did they call it? Putting a, putting a, that would be like trying to put an octopus in a Tupperware box, which is like a plastic <laughs> box. So we're working against this natural wisdom that they are born with. So that's what I love about aware parenting is offering parents this complete reframe of how would it be to trust your baby or your child to follow their lead, to understand. And yes, we may need to come in with loving limits, but to actually work with this rather than to fight against them. So it's actually not they are, it's often not that they are, fighting sleep it's often that we are fighting those natural processes that they're born with I love that um, perspective and I love the way you phrase that because it's really true uh, and I, I know I've shared that on some of the podcasts we've talked about with sleep where I used to I felt like I had to trick my children to go to sleep because I didn't know any of those cues and I didn't uh, I didn't know how to work with it so it was kind of like I had to lull them into this false sense of security of going to sleep and then they would fall asleep I just wanted to say too, if you haven't listened to our other podcasts and heard us talk about sleep um, from the aware parenting perspective, there's three things that children need to go to sleep and and one of them we're really focusing on here, but I'll just highlight the other two. One is that um, they need to feel tired, which will be given at some point, and two, they need to feel connected or safe or have that that closeness, that uh, attunement, so whether that's um, falling asleep with them, whatever it is that brings that safety for them so that they can fall asleep. And then the third thing is they um, need to feel relaxed in their bodies, and this is what we're really focusing on today, that element of if there's feelings in there or if there's still lots of energy in there, then how do we help? our children shift and move that so that their bodies do feel relaxed so they then can go to sleep and I'm sure all of you will know what the opposite of this looks like which is as you've said when we're trying to get them to go to sleep or trying to calm down they might lay down but then they wriggle everywhere or then they're like I need a drink of water or I have to go to the toilet or the covers are too hot or my pajamas are too scratchy or there's just there's an agitation that's there because their body's like I'm not ready to calm I'm not ready to be in that so I'm sure as you're listening you're probably like yep yep I know that I know what that looks like so what what aware parenting is offering and what we're talking about here is something that you can do so that they are relaxed in their bodies to be able to go to sleep so what's some of your favorite things to play Marion what's what, well I'd actually before we go to there I'd yep. love to add something to that as well which that list of three which I'd like to say I came up with Based, oh. on, based on Aletha's work, it's Aletha's okay. work, it's aware parenting, but I come up with the list because you know I love lists of three and all, the, all our conversations we've had here, I go, oh, let's have three things. But what I'd love to say is attachment also is really helpful for that number two thing as well. Mm-hmm. So for that sense of connection and warm safety, there's nothing like play. Often play will do that even more than just if you're lying cuddled up together. And as you say, if they're mm-hmm. wriggling and wiggling, often you might not feel 
close or warm at all towards them because you might be like, why are you still wriggling your legs? You're, yes. t- you're clearly tired. Yes. So to, to come in with play actually, and particularly physical play, there's something about play that brings in a deep sense of connectedness on a, mm. on a deep embodied level. So I would say too, mm. that attachment play is really powerful for supporting that deep sense of connectedness mm. and safety and like, oh, you know, they're, they're here with me. And I would say one of the reasons that's so important that number two is you know, for, for thousands and a lot of years before the industrial revolution, you know, children always slept with, slept with, slept with adults, you know, <laughs> co-sleeping, family sleeping, um, big cultures. And um, if, a, if a baby or child was on their own or they felt in any way scared or disconnected, sense of disconnection that would signal that there was possible danger mm. so it's a, such um, a natural mechanism or a natural process that if they are not feeling connected or if they're not feeling safe that they cannot go to sleep because their their bodies are saying well i might need to be alert to something maybe there's a mm. saber-toothed tiger coming so that sense of connectedness is so important for a child mm. to be able to sleep mm. and an adult and for a baby any age absolutely 100% like I, I explain it like this if you're an adult and you're in your house and your front door's wide open and your back door and all your windows like are you going to feel comfortable to go to sleep or are you going to be like oh someone could come in or what's going on you're going to be on more high alert so that we need that safety as well as you talk about so yes yeah, it's, it's it's really important that that we can create that with our children as well within that so you know one of the other things before we get into some ideas and games around the playing and I have found this in the past with my own children is particularly when you know they're really tired like you can see they're tired but and sometimes people will call it overtired when they're overtired and they can't settle or they can't you know that is often well I guess the way I look at it and I'm sure you do too is that it is them needing that connection and that could be honestly one or two minutes of playfulness that then might turn into tears and the tears is the release that allows them to you know move what's happening in their bodies and then actually fall asleep but so often again before I knew we're parenting when my kids were overtired I would get frustrated and angry because I was like they're tired they need to go to sleep it's like they were fighting it and and we hear that a lot from parents my child fights sleep and um, I think that's where, again, these techniques can be so beautiful because they're asking us to meet the child and the child's perhaps like, I am really tired, but I've still got stuff going in my body and I don't know how to move it. And we can be that beautiful guide to help them move what's there so that they can relax and they can move into sleep. And so play is your first kind of port of call if, if they're open for that. Um, and then that can then, as you say, bring that beautiful connection to then allow tears to come if they need to. To, and and then they fall asleep like my daughter honestly up until about the age of nine or ten would usually have a cry at night just and she would say I'm not even upset about anything I just need, I just want to let it out and then I can sleep like she often used to just say I just need to because it felt good for her to release it and sometimes it was just through play and laughter but it, it, she knew what it felt, how good it feel, felt to just release so then she could actually relax and go to sleep. So the more that we do it, the more children know, yes, this feels good for me. I'm going to just lean into it easily so that I then can actually fall asleep. Mm, it's so deeply about trusting them, isn't it? Again, that's what we come back to in aware parenting. It's a deep, deep, deep trust in the innate wisdom of babies and children and human beings and how easily that can get conditioned out of us 
and really one of the things I think is just like to really follow their lead that so often they'll be inviting play they may be you know maybe they're getting out of the bath or something if you have a bath they have a bath in the evenings and they might be getting a bit silly or goofy and all the ways that we might then try to distract them or they might be trying to find a pretext to have a cry so that they can feel relaxed and we might just again just there are so many ways that we can ignore those invitations that they're constantly giving us the full playfulness for laughter for crying for raging so I think one of the most important things is to actually almost step back a little bit but not physically and really observe and watch for the invitations and the more we actually see that oh my gosh actually that was an invitation for play that was an invitation for laughter that was an invitation for crying and to actually start to notice these things because often it isn't so much you know, again, our culture is all about, you know, we need to teach babies and children to sleep. Well, no, they know exactly what to do. We need to unlearn all the things that we do that get in the way and actually follow their lead and trust their wisdom and actually see all the times that we're inadvertently working against that. I love that so much because what that says to me too, and I think I noticed this when I used to do it, but then also with a lot of parents I work with is that we're often not present ourselves. And so that's often where we can miss the cues from our children. So I, I talk about, um, you know, jokingly like scanning your kids, like imagining you've got to like scan, where are they? How, how are they feeling? Are they feeling imbalanced? Are they off? Where are they? And in order to do that, we need to be present and we need to be attuned to them to go, what's going on here? And I think a lot of the time because we're so busy and we're stretched and we're juggling all the balls, we're not often present to where our children really are. And therefore, as you say, we miss some of these cues of what they're actually telling us. And so when we can just in moments tune into our kids, where are they? What's going on? We begin to see these little signs and go, ah, that's what they're asking for or that's what they're needing. But sometimes it's asking us to be very present because we might be thinking about the email or dinner we've got to cook and we're trying to get the kids out of the bath. And I 100% have so much compassion for that dance. I know that dance. Uh, but if you can, in just a moment, take a pause and get present and watch, as you say, even sit back a little bit and go, what am I seeing here? What are they showing me? Then we can actually respond to our children in that way. But sometimes we miss those cues because we're actually not present within ourselves, which is very understandable when we're juggling all the things that we're juggling. Mm, I love that, Lau. And there's something also that naturally then comes from that, isn't there, that presence. And it's, as you were saying a little bit earlier, I think often we think this needs to be a big thing. And yes, sometimes play can be big or crying can be big, but often it's almost like that quality of just being a little bit playful. It could mm. even just be, even just for a few moments, you know, if we, you know, if they're little and we're drying them with a towel and like just doing a funny little thing, like, you know, making a little, you know, raspberry noise or just, you know, oh, look what's under there. Just, just little silly goofy things can make a profound difference. There's something magical about play mm. that seems to, must have like an exponential effect that, that a small amount can make a big impact. Mm. And when we think, you know, when we're talking about what ideas we can do, I mean, it's really about just following their lead. Exactly as you say, like if they're responding to a silly noise you make and they giggle, then do it again. Or if they're, you know, you're getting them out of the bath and you're drying them and they're like, you can't catch me, mummy. You'd be like, oh, my God, I can't catch you. And then all of a sudden you're playing chasey around the house. Or, you know, you might even invite them, go, come on, it's we used to call it rumbling in our house. It's a rumble time on the bed and we'd all go jump on the bed and we'd have pillow fights and that's what it would be. 
or it can be anything that they are into that is allowing that beautiful connection. It is movement in the body. It is laughter, hopefully. It's it's anything that is allowing them to perhaps shake off the day or move whatever's stuck there so that they can come back to that beautiful place where they can find the calm within. And I guess one of the tips that I have used always, which is I would always set a timer to give myself a buffer because I knew for me particularly, and and I know a lot of parents feel like this, as it gets towards nighttime, we've got a lot less reserves or there's a lot less willingness to be playful or there is, you know, there's not much left in the tank sometimes. So for me mentally, I would, you know, set a timer and go, okay, I just have to play for 15 minutes, right? And then the time is going to go off and and then, you know, if there's feelings there, I'll listen to the feelings. And so I would know that it wasn't going to drag on for an hour. I know that I wasn't going to have to play pillow fights for an hour or there was going to be different stuff. And, and using that language with my kids as well, I'm going to set the timer now so we've got 15 minutes for rumble, let's go. And the more that we do it, the more that they would know, okay, that's what we do. That's how it looks. And sometimes if the timer went off and it was really fun and I could feel that there was a bit more there, we would keep going. But for me, it gave me a bit more of a structure for myself to actually go, okay, this isn't going to go on for two hours and because I'm not going to have the patience for that. So what I do have is this. And I also know that they probably need to be asleep by eight o'clock because they need to get enough sleep. And, and so there was also elements of how we can structure it so that they were getting their needs met as far as play and connection and cuddles and all that stuff. I was still getting my needs met with what I had to do or needing some time for myself or whatever that looked like. So it was finding the way that it looked in our family so that it could work. And sometimes that meant having dinner at 5.30. And sometimes, it, you know, depending on the ages of my kids, it moved in different ways in different times. But I felt what really helped me was having a bit of structure around it so that my willingness was like, yeah, I know this could be a 45 minute process and I can do that from beginning to end, which is play and listening to feelings and then going to sleep. And I can do 45 minutes. I've got that in me. And so that, that felt better than, Oh my God, it comes bedtime. What's going to happen? How long is it going to go on for? And just, and know that feeling. I know many parents come with that feeling. They dread nighttime because the the child's not going to sleep and there's this and there's that and all the stuff. So it, um, it helped me a lot in just being able to know, okay, this is what I've got to do and this is how we can frame it. Mm, I love that, Lau. And the other thing that can be really, really, really helpful to hold in mind because often we might play and we might go, oh, but they're going to be so happy. And sometimes they might, they, they, as we were talking about those two, two out of three things, they might feel really connected. They might feel really relaxed after all the laughter and the play. They might fall off into a beautiful sleep. Or a couple of other things might happen. They might start getting hitty and pinchy and bitey. Or they might start crying over some small thing or maybe, you know, bump themselves or start crying. So it can be so easy when that happens to go into all kinds of unwanted thoughts about, but I did all this playfulness and now look and da, 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 whatever your own version of that is. So I find it can be really helpful to remember that touch and play. One of the other reasons it's so powerful is just like us. If we go out, if we have a partner and we go out, maybe go out for a meal or go out dancing or something. Um, often if we, especially if, if we have kids and we don't do that very often, we might start having a lovely time. And then soon we might end up having an argument because 
all the feelings start to bubble up. So this is just the way with kids that actually the warmth, the connectedness, it's almost like the lighter feelings, like an, a pressure cooker, an old fashioned pressure cooker. Does anyone even know what that is nowadays? I do. All the, I know. I remember what they <laughs> it's were. It's probably being replaced by a thermomix, but oh, anyway. Thermomix, <laughs> when, when, the, when the little things the rattling the on the top of the thermomix, yeah. all the lighter feelings get released. So attach and play releases like the, the lighter fears, the lighter powerlessness. And then it's like, oh, the, the bigger feelings are right there ready. And the, the, our child has got this um, sense in their body, right, they're here, they're listening, they're, they're right available. I'm going to let, they're not doing it consciously, of course, and they're going to let all the, the next level of feelings out. So often that's what happens is, um, so if they're getting pinchy or bite or hitty, that is bigger feelings coming out. So in that point, we can offer a loving limit, which is saying, no to the behavior and yes to the feelings we've done other podcasts on that so we might just do the minimum thing stop the hitting with our hand just to stop that behavior and to say i'm not willing for you to hit sweetheart and i'm right here and i'm listening and they might kind of start struggling and trying to hit more i'm not willing for you to do that and i'm right here and i'm listening and then they might move into this big big cry that is all the tension that if you've been you know, going, come on, come to sleep and lie down and that they're wriggling and kicking their legs and arms. That is all the feelings that would otherwise be keeping them awake for three hours and then waking them up every hour throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Or they might just spontaneously start crying uh, over something or, you know, again, it might be like a they might knock into something. So again, we can really support that and just keep listening. Uh, oh, sweetheart, you know, you you bumped your knee or you're feeling upset. I'm right here. I'm listening. And to support the bigness of that as much as possible, because the more those feelings come out, then the more calm and relaxed they're going to feel, the more easy it is for them to go to sleep and stay asleep for as long as they need. So it's really, again, a reframe around most of what, what so many other people might talk about with sleep it's actually trusting the bigness the more there's the bigness the more they can actually then move into natural calmness whereas if we are trying to make them feel calm the bigness of the feelings will keep bubbling up and waking them up over and over again yes yes or mean that they kick off all the covers every five mm. minutes in the night time all of that stuff that Mm. can happen yeah and and we get more and more frustrated because we're trying to get them to sleep all the time so and I think this is a beautiful invitation to give it a try for a week you know what would it be like if you you did some wrestling or rumbling or play or laughter or hide and seek or just you know playing tennis with a balloon after the bath or shower or whatever and giggling and laughing or having a sock fight or doing something that is connected and that is physical and that hopefully there is some laughter involved and then having the okay and we're finishing now and then seeing what happens from that and then just watching does your child have a big cry do they go to sleep a bit easier you know what what happens within this and look the equivalent of this too and not so much with play with babies but and we've talked about this in our babies episodes that babies often need to have a big cry before they go to sleep so they're not going to be necessarily playing so much with us but you know their natural inbuilt healing mechanism again as we talk about is is those tears to release all the tensions or perhaps what they're um, what they're feeling and as we always stress it is in loving arms so it's being really present it's not leaving a child alone to cry it's always being present with them it's always being connected with them to help them release what they need to and and then again observing what happens then do they sleep longer how are they all those kind of things so it's worth giving it a, a try and and seeing what happens 
for a week when you do it and watching your reaction to it, watching, being really curious about what comes up for you, watching, do they go to sleep a little bit easier? Are they sleeping longer? You know, what, what is happening when you observe it and see and, and what evidence can we see afterwards of, of doing this? It's such a game changer. Like, you know, when I started doing this after trying to trick my children to go to sleep for many years, when I started doing this, I was like, oh, I can't believe how easy this is because we just changed the, we changed our expectations and the mindset massively, my husband and I. We just knew after we've had a bath or after we've had dinner, we just have playtime and then we have the limit and then we listen to the feelings. And it was just, it was just part of what we did. And it just allowed sleep to be so much easier. There were no more battles and then it was no more trying to get them to sleep and, and sleep felt like a beautiful thing. And it was actually just became a really beautiful time of our evening. And look, of course there were days where I was like, oh, I've got nothing left. I can't do this. You know, there were times where I was like, I, I may have to dig a bit deep all those times where I was like, I just don't have it in me tonight. And, and there's times where I couldn't do it. And that, and that was still okay. You know, there was enough there for it to not necessarily have to happen, but the more that my children kind of, I think understood it and felt it and it felt good, you know, the more that they knew they needed to do it. So there were some times I remember with my youngest, when I was, I, I didn't have the capacity to play, she would go, that's okay, mama, I'll just do handstands instead. And so she would like do handstands against the wall and she'd be like, give me a score out of 10. And I'd be like, okay. And, and she would naturally do it anyway, even if I wasn't necessarily there because she knew that that's what her body needed. So the more we did it, the more they knew this is what I need in order to help me settle or help me go to sleep. So wonderful, isn't it? It's really helping them stay in contact with that natural wisdom so that they can deeply trust it, which of course is really helpful in adulthood. And imagine if all of us knew how to do this stuff rather than whatever it is, you know, our listeners, you might want to connect in. Do you always uh, need in inverted commas to read a book before you go to sleep or, or have a particular um, you know, cup of tea or I don't know, whatever it is. So often we use control patterns to, to help us feel calm enough go to sleep but often that again that means it's not a true relaxation it's kind of a it's a it's a plaster or a band-aid that means we're mm. we're kind of relaxed enough but then again we may wake up in the middle of the night or multiple times thinking and mm. feeling and all kinds of things so imagine if we all just was like oh yeah I need to talk I need to cry or I need to have a bit of laughter it would mm. be amazing if we all um deeply trusted what mm. we needed mm. yeah it is it's a real shift isn't it for what we've been told from for a really long time around what it looks like and I wanted to touch in just briefly too about teenagers because um you know they may not want to rumble with you at night sometimes they might they might be like sometimes my just when everything's getting quiet in the house so often my teenagers will walk in and jump on our bed and they're like we need to wrestle and I'm like oh come on it's like 10 30 but I must say I've always found some energy to be playful with them because it's been on their terms they're asking for it and it's um it's always a beautiful invitation when your teenager comes in and wants to hug you or snuggle you you know you don't say no to that because it doesn't happen as often as when okay. when you have little kids and you know they're on you all the time and you feel touched out yet when your kids get bigger there's you know I used to find no matter what I was doing if one of my kids came over and wanted to hug me I'd just drop whatever I was doing and I'd just be there and I wouldn't let go first I'd just be like I'm here 
But I have found with teens too, and this is really interesting, you know, if you understand about development and the teenage brain and all those kind of things, uh, you know, they often talk about the changes that happen, which means that their sleep patterns and rhythms change as well. And they often go to sleep a bit later and want to sleep, you know, later in the morning. And one of the things that I have found too, which I've found has been really interesting and helpful in raising my teens is that often they talk about the prefrontal cortex, which is that logical, rational part of the brain starts to switch off at night. And the amygdala, which is often where all our emotional centers sit, actually gets more active at night, particularly in teens. So it's often why it, you know, 10, 30 or 11 o'clock at night, when you might be saying, good night, darling, go to sleep, you know, or, you know, good night, have a great sleep. They go, mom, can I talk to you for a minute? And you're like, oh God, I really want to go to sleep. But that's when all of a sudden they're sharing like for an hour about everything that's gone on in their day. And even though that can be frustrating because you're like, oh God, I really need to go to sleep. It's that's their window of like, hey, I want to tell you what's going on. It's also a good reason why teens perhaps shouldn't have technology on their own at night late at night because again the rational logical thinking part of their brain is usually switched off and the emotional center is high and that's often when a lot of dramas can go on online you know 10 11 at night because you know what their brain's doing and where they're sitting and so I used to always say to my kids no angry texting at night because you'll feel different in the morning <laughs> like you know and they'll be like yeah 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 I used to talk to them about it all the time like this is what our our brains sometimes do and this is how we feel and you guys know you get a lot more you know emotive or you feel really the stuff you 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 know feels big for you at night and they're like yeah totally it feels the drama feels hot and I'm like okay so put down your devices and let's talk about it instead <laughs> of um of you know doing that wait always pause pause, pause, pause on it. So, you know, that's been something we've talked about a lot. But I, I think for anyone who has teenagers, they will know that kind of, you know, mom, can I talk to you? And it's really late. And, you know, for me, even if I was tired, I would always make an effort to go in and just sit on their bed or snuggle in their bed with them and go, yeah, tell me everything and just listen and listen. And sometimes there was a point where I was like, I'm really tired and I really want to hear more, but can we do part two tomorrow? And and they were like, yeah, fine. But uh, I always, I think whenever there was an invitation to go into their world to listen to what was going on, because quite rightly, they hold it a bit closer to their chest. I'd always take it. And so nighttime for them too, for teens, you know, the same thing applies as what we're talking about with little people and with us as adults is that in order for them to go to sleep, they need to feel relaxed as well. And one of the parts of that is them sharing what's on their mind, is being able to talk about their worries or where things are at or what's happening for them. And that's often why they will at night, you know, invite you in hopefully to, um, to listen what's going on for them. So, and, and look, there was, there's times, my two daughters, they're four years apart, but they're very, um, they're really close and they're great friends. And I, so often at 10, 30 or not, all of a sudden, like I can hear the Mamma Mia soundtrack blasting from their bedroom and they're like dancing and doing TikToks and all sorts of stuff. And part of me is like, oh, come on girls. But I'm like, no, that's what they're doing to help themselves to go to sleep. So they have these little dance parties in their room and they'll laugh and they'll giggle and, and then, I, again, I trust that that's what they do and then they're able to go to sleep. So it's not every night, but sometimes, you know, I can hear that and my husband like, what are they doing? And I'm like, well, they're just they're doing what they know they need to to help connect or to, you know, to move whatever's sitting there and it's it's beautiful. It's just their way of doing it. Or I can't tell you the amount of times they come in at 11 o'clock and they're going, can you make a TikTok with us? And we're like, 
oh god and I go do I have to get out of bed for it and they're like no and I go okay then <laughs> so, and I love that because it's beautiful because they still want us to be in their world and even though sometimes it can be annoying it's really beautiful and rich because they're like hey you know we we feel connected or this is what we're doing at this point to help ourselves so much like us as adults, and it may look different as an adult, we may need to talk, we may need to cry, we may need to stretch and dance or do something to help our bodies. Um, you know, they're doing it in their own way as well. And so, you know, for me, particularly teenagers, I'm like, if they're inviting you in, then be there if you can. It's it's very different to the four-year-old who's wriggling and won't go to sleep. I think if you can get in there with the teenager and, and listen, because often it is just about listening, not fixing, not offering anything, just listening, then um, that is the equivalent of of, of that play sometimes uh, I'm having a memory right now as you're sharing that now is um we when Lana I think she was maybe about 12 she was like a tween and we suddenly got some tickets for One Direction do you remember One Direction yes and I do for some while she was keen on them I was keen on them too so we got these tickets to go down to Sydney which is like an hour and a half flight the next day mm-hmm. so we were I was booking tickets like you know 10 or 11 I don't know late at night and she was so excited and she was literally just like jumping up and down and laughing hysterically and just like so you know for about two hours just so just mm-hmm. so excited and and it's so so wonderful. And I was I was excited too, but I wasn't doing all that. Mm-hmm. Ends up then she just goes off to sleep, sleeps really soundly. And I spend the whole night not being able to sleep at all because I was excited. <laughs> but I hadn't done any of that stuff. Yeah. It was just a, just like a really clear demonstration of yeah. oh my gosh, this stuff works so well. It does. It does. Like I sometimes if if I'm teaching at night or doing a call or a group or something and it finishes at 9.30 or 10 and I'm still up, I will have to move in some way to allow myself, you know, so I'll often shake or I'll dance or I'll do something that is, you know, allowing me to kind of move, you know, from what I've just been doing because I don't usually do it as late at night, but it's something that I need to do to allow myself then to drop or bring that relaxation in in whatever way I can. But, yeah, I I totally get that and I love that story because, yeah, that's so so true, isn't it, when you're really excited (laughs) about something and you can't sleep and it's how do we help ourselves feel that and then be able to rest as well. Yeah, so true, isn't it? You think about beautiful little kitties when uh, I know so many parents talk about when their children are starting something new, they're going to school camp or they're starting school or there's a birthday party or this Christmas or something that's exciting for them. And they, you know, they can't sleep because the excitement is there and it's how do we help them, support them to feel that so that they still can rest because otherwise they're awake at four in the morning going, is it time yet? Or (laughs) they're standing at the edge of their bed in their school uniform going, are we going to school now? And it's like five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I'll, and that's exactly what we were saying right at the beginning, isn't it? That's the time where we might go, no, can, you know, calm down now. But that's exactly the opposite thing to actually get in there and go, oh, my God, it's so exciting. Mm. Jump, mm. you know, if you have a trampoline, jump on the trampoline to actually yes. go with that energy, yes. that life energy. There's so much wisdom in that. And mm. one other little thing I'd love to add is sometimes it can also be really helpful. And I remember this, finding this is just at some point in the evening and I know it can be really hard but you just maybe even planning the day I don't know if you've got a slow cooker on or a thermomix or something just put that on and just have even like three minutes of just 
I don't know, whatever it is for you, might be lying down for a moment, even if it's your child's climbing on you or doing a bit of stretching, or if you have a, a partner who's there, maybe just, just something that you go off for a few moments just to actually kind of get your energy ready so that you really can go in in that present way that you were talking about, because really it does require us to have some degree of something. Although sometimes I find, you know, if you sometimes when we're really exhausted or so we can go into a little bit that silly, goofy, like, just like mm. it's like the almost the only way that we can go with it but yeah having, having a little bit of a break can also really help yeah I, I remember when my kids were little and um and my husband would work late and there were those days where I was like I just I don't know how I'm going to get through this what I would do is actually try and do something really fun so I'd be like right we're going to have a picnic dinner tonight so you guys set the like picnic on the floor and I just would go, let's do something different. Let's do something a little bit fun. It shifted my energy. It kind of met their need for something a little bit different and fun. And it allowed me then to kind of have enough just to get through if I needed to. But, uh, you know, but I also absolutely agree. Sometimes it's like take a moment to just lay down on the floor, even if they're driving cars all over you and just take some deep breaths and just go, okay, yep, this is, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty low in energy but we've got another hour and again sometimes that structure can help us go yeah I've got that and then I'm going to have those times I mean I I feel really mixed in saying that because I just I think back to all those years when it was really big with little people and I think about myself where I was doing a lot of it on my own because Mike was working and they were long days and I certainly didn't have the support I needed or the community around to do it and and they felt really full on and I really just want to speak to the parents out there at the moment who are in those spaces and say I really hear you and I'm sorry our culture doesn't support families in the way that they need and it is big and it's it's okay to feel like it's overwhelming and it's really hard because it is it really is and I also want to offer you that it will shift and change and get better and then there'll be hard bits again and then there'll be beautiful bits and and it does keep evolving. But I just want to send a lot of compassion to those parts of those parents that are like, oh, this feels really full on because it is, it really, it really, really is. Mm. Yeah. So much love to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so big. I wish I could go back to that Lael, you know, from 15 years ago where she was wrangling three little people and and doing a lot of it. You know, I had my husband's support, but the, most of the hours were mine of, of doing it with the kids and letting her know that it, that it will shift and change and that she was doing an incredible job. And, and there were days that were hard and there were days that were great. And the days that were hard didn't mean that she wasn't a good mom and it didn't mean that it was always going to be like that. It was beautiful edges and signs to show her what she needed more of, you know, or the calling in for support or for changing the way things were done, all those kind of things. You know, they were good benchmarks to actually go, this doesn't feel good and how do we shift and change this? Hmm. And we're taking a totally different tangent. Let's go back to playing yum, sleep. Yum. <laughs> All right. So, is there anything else? So relevant. So yeah, relevant. it is. It is. It is. It's that the nighttime thing is, you know, it often feels like a hustle. It really can feel like that. So I guess it really is relevant, isn't it? Because it's like, ah, oh, it's the next bit. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to add, Marion, around play and sleep? 
another little thing if you feel called it can be to inquire into what happened for you when you were a child if you remember anything and did you ever did you ever try and be playful before bed what and if so what happened or you know what can be really helpful to inquire around our own experiences in our family of origin around bedtime sleep because often they can really be having a big impact on how we feel in the evenings yeah that's a really really great point of of feeling into what that was like for you yeah I remember feeling really scared a lot going to sleep at night really really scared and and almost being in fear and terror just to lay so still so I would fall asleep because it felt scary being in a room on my own and hearing noises and all those kind of things yeah and what was the most comfort for me when I was younger was often hearing my parents in the kitchen whether it was doing the dishes or talking that was a comfort because I could hear them and knew that they were there you know but when it was quiet that was often felt really scary and I guess my little daughter used to say to me, she's like, I don't understand why adults who are grown-ups sleep next to someone and children who are just little, you know, and they meant to sleep on their own. I'm like, yeah, it's not right, is it? And she's like, no, <laughs> like you guys are adults. You, you don't have to get scared at night, but we do. And I'm thinking it's great logic in there <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Post sleeping yep. rocks. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's beautiful, and I love that. Look, I co-slept with my kitties when they were babies, and then they moved into the room with their siblings, and then they would often sleep in the same. We'd had a big double bed that sleep in the same bed together, and they co-slept for years together with each other as until they didn't want to anymore or they wanted their own room or that was, you know, until their boyfriends and girlfriends came in, they were no longer co-sleeping with each other, um, but they naturally wanted to do that too because that felt good for them as well, that closeness, which actually brought some beautiful closeness and connection with them as well. Yeah, mm. which we come back full circle to really how normal and natural it is for humans to actually be close together. And even mm. if you're on Instagram, you ever see, follow any animal channels, I seem to see mm. lots where their children have like, um, you know, if they haven't got another human, they might have like a dog or a cat, mm. or, you know, with yeah. the, it's that inherent desire for us yeah. as mammals to be, to be close, close. such yeah. a normal, natural human need. It is, isn't it? Isn't it? Totally. It's like, I remember when we got a puppy and they're like, you know, put it out here to sleep and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, they're pack animals. And as soon as he was in our room, he didn't have to be next to us, but as soon as he was in our room, he was Okay. Because he was like, I'm with you. I'm with my humans. That's where I'm meant to be, or I'm with other mammals. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it, how we've strayed so far from that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so I love that you had that offering of just thinking about what you might have been like for you as a child. Is there anything else you want to offer or say around that? Mm, no. Did you did you have something else? My apologies. I um, no, no. Um, I can just invite you to just, if this is new to your foreign concept, to just try it for a week. See what happens if you introduce some play, introduce some beautiful limits around how long it goes for, stay really open to listen to some tears or feelings if they come, and then observe how it is. Do your children go to sleep a bit quicker? Are they more settled? Are they sleeping longer? How does it feel for you? Just be curious. Give it a try be curious you know we can often lean into things going that's not going to work and this is going to be too hard and then we try it and go oh actually that wasn't that wasn't you know too hard at all and I think it's just really interesting the other one thing I will say too is that when we do do something like this with play and laughter it's really important to make sure that our limits around it are really clear 
because if we're like, oh, maybe just a few more minutes or maybe this or maybe that, often that doesn't feel as stable. And so we have to sometimes be very clear on, okay, that's enough now and we're going to do this and so that there is something for them to push up against. So just be mindful around um, the limits you might set around it and just staying staying connected to them for yourself. Mm. Yeah, I'm being really clear that if we if we're really not willing to play, not to not to say yes as well. That's part of it, isn't it? Like being authentic. Hundred percent. Yes. Like really, not not going to be helpful if you yes. if you really hate the idea of playing in that particular moment. It's the last mm. thing you want to do on the yeah. whole planet. It's yeah. much preferable to actually offer yeah. a loving limit rather than pretend yeah. to be playful. Get resentful. Get yes. pissed off. <laughs> Not going to go well. Becomes angry play, doesn't it? Or you could do something like, I don't have it in me to play, but I am so happy for you to do a silly dance. Let's put on your favourite silly song. And then they you sit on the couch and they do a silly dance for you, right? And then you're like, okay, do one more, right? So you're giving them the opportunity to be witness, to move, but you can just sit and watch. So there's lots of different things you can do where you actually can still be there, but it's not, you don't have to be in it. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. Yeah. I used to do that a lot when we had a big, big trampoline. It's like, if I was tired and they were playing for ages, I'd be like, you know, yeah, show me another trick. And they'd be like, do some more. And I'm like, just, you know, I'll just watch yeah. you. From yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. Yeah. We, I think that's such an important point, Marion, is that, if our willingness is not there and it's we've got no capacity, it, it often, they can feel that. It often isn't going to go well and we're much better off trying to find an alternative to meet their needs and also yours as well. So it's a really, really good point. Yes. All right. Um, any offerings you've got at the moment, Marion? I do have some offerings. I have a little mini video. I mean, uh, we would have talked about some of the things already. It's a playing before bed video on my website. And I also have uh, my attachment play course, which goes into all different kinds of play, the nine types of attachment play and aware parenting. And I have a sound sleep and secure attachment with aware parenting course as well, if you want to dive in deeper to that. Perfect. All the all the play and the, sleep stuff. And sleep. And Lael will be having all lots of lovely offerings coming, won't you lovely? When <laughs> yeah, you when you have a new house. Move into your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love the other day I got hit with this full inspiration of like, oh my God, I'm gonna do this series and it's gonna be this, this, and this. And I was so inspired by it. And then I was like, oh no, let's just put that over there for a minute because it just not. And I love it. Once upon a time, I would have pushed to try and make that happen. And now I'm like, no, it'll, it's still there. It'll happen when the time is right. So trust timing, trust timing. Yes. It's really important. Yes. 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 Yeah. Oh, thank you for being here, everybody. I hope you found it um, helpful and useful and it's given you some tools. And I really recommend actually going and if you want more information, go and check out Marion's courses on play and sleep because it just it gives you so much of the beautiful foundation that we're talking about here to really support you and we have other podcasts on sleep so you can if you're still like hang on how does this work go and have a listen to them as well because we do give lots more of that information around how this can all work Mm. yum and Mm, we are sending loving intentions for beautiful, restful sleep tonight after yes. some rambunctious play, some loving limits, some big cries. And yeah. like, then you might find that you also feel much more relaxed after yes. all that too. <laughs> yes, yes. Here's to peaceful, beautiful sleep. Yes. Yum. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. So much love to you. 
Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.